It's the greatest thing we've ever done. The Dippin' Squad. We have no <laughs> biblical training whatsoever. I used to smoke whole chickens all the time. Joe is perfect. Jesus is my homeboy. We looked ridiculous. Pretty significantly sized person. <laughs> Nate, you want to slurp us out of here? We would be the worst employees. We would be. <laughs> That's why we're pastors. <laughs> Right, well, welcome in. You guys hear me all right? I can't hear you, so you got to make sure you unmute yourself. Welcome into the Desperate Pastor Podcast. This is episode 16, and uh, due to the fact that there's snow, we are all sequestered. Sequestered. <laughs> That's right. Is it, doesn't the storm have a name? name? Yeah, Landon. I think it's Landon. Room yeah. Cyclone. Landon didn't do much landing around us. <laughs> I think we maybe got an inch of snow, maybe, maybe. What you got? But anyway, we are we are actually doing this uh, podcast, so it's going to hopefully be on YouTube too. But this is uh, we're all at our houses, and I'm sure the audio sounds spectacular. Mm. And uh, forward to getting back together again. The synergy is a little different too. I got to stare at you on a screen. There's not coffee being made in the other room, you know, all that kind of stuff. Well, according to my weather app in beautiful Manitoba, Ohio, we will have 11 inches by 11 o'clock tonight. That'd be cool. Oh. No, we Bring had it on. what? Bring did it. we have a couple weeks ago? Like 20 or something? It was 17, 18. Yeah, we had probably like 16. <clears throat> I feel like one we of, had 16. One of those years good. Yeah. Not too. Oh, well. Hmm. And that's when they were like, oh, we're going to get a couple inches of snow. Plus <laughs> yeah. 18. Yes. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, as always, you can follow us on social media. You can email us at me at desperatepastor.com. We'd love for you to join the conversation. We have uh, much to talk about. There's always something to talk about. But glad that you're joining us today on your drive or you're just sitting around because you're bored and you're listening to us. And uh, we didn't get any feedback in the last one. So, you know, I think all three people that listen just enjoy. Actually, I take that back. Tammy did send me a text, like blew up my phone with a text. I'll see if I can pull that up. I just thought about that. Uh, like there was a bunch of things we asked in the last episode and she like just machine gunned it like and this and then this and then this and then this and, you know. Let me see if I can find it. But uh, got a question for you today, too. We got always have questions because it makes it more exciting, I'm sure. Aren't you excited for sure a question? Oh. Apparently, Siri thinks it's exciting. Siri has no oh. She's not ready. Why is she in my business? You can answer uh, for me. Yeah. So <clears throat> she went down the list. This is Tammy's text after she listened to it. She says, good one. Definitely out to eat or order in. Cheesecake Factory, best gift card. Shop on my own groceries, although I only like grocery shop when I'm not a, on a strict list. Lastly, 30 minutes of preaching, 20 minutes of worship, 10 minutes of announcements, and 10 minutes a- after if anyone wants to come forward and pray after closing. Bam. That's how she ended that. Okay. Do that again. We got it all figured out. 
So she yeah. says 30 minutes of preaching, 20 minutes of worship, 10 minutes of announcements, which is silly. That's a lot. Uh, 10 minutes after, if anyone wants to come forward to talk or pray after closing. And then bam. That works in our time frame. We're an hour and 15 minute service. So we'd have five minutes to spare. Yeah. We don't do 10 minutes of announcements. We, we do we 35 minutes. <laughs> five minutes. Sometime. Sermon. Five minute sermon. Three and a half minute worship. Yeah. Good. One Rich Mullins song from the you know, <laughs> same one every week. Right. And then um, we tell people if they want prayer, they can get that on the way out. Right. Just, you know, you know go do that in your car. Time. Go yeah. do that in your car. You can pray anywhere on your own time, or we get, yeah. or, or we can set it up on restream. We'll pray with you later, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> it's going to snow on Thursday, so we probably should right. get home now. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> that was our last three games minus the game we just played for basketball. It was like, it was crazy, and I really was making the joke like they're probably going to cancel Monday because of the storm on Thursday. It was how ridiculous it was getting. So I think people were afraid to play us. I was expecting to get like no snow because yeah. everybody was like, it's coming. Yeah. And That's I how it usually okay. is. Yeah. yeah. But Tammy, thanks for reaching out, by the way. Do you guys, uh, this goes back to the announcement thing. Do you guys, you, what we try to do since the pandemic is we try to front load all of our announcements in our pre service and then put them in the bulletin so they can, or the study guide, and they can just read them themselves or they can show up. 15 minutes early sometimes we we do have an announcement in there but we try not to it's like a speed bump or like a sometimes a full stop change your pace yeah yeah um we don't do pre-service so well yeah i know i'm trying to point that out no i'm not yeah i appreciate that <laughs> i mean our our first song i don't know if your church is like this but our first song of the service is about 30 percent capacity for that sunday by the end of the first song and through it, and then we do announcements, <clears throat> then we reach the capacity. So pre-service would probably be about five people. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. We've talked about recording announcements before, like ahead of time, mm, like yeah. recording them and then playing that during service because you would know, oh, it's a two minute, you know, video with all the announcement updates. And so um, in in Reno, that's what I would do is I actually recorded announcements every week yeah. uh, with different people. And then I would play them during offering hmm. that would play hmm. and roll into the next song. But it was only two and a half minutes, three minutes at most. You have five announcements in three minutes. Uh, yeah. When you record stuff, you you pump it out way faster than what someone's yeah. standing up there. Yeah, you could edit out all the ums and the uh, and the random like, hey, and then my dog. It's so random. Ad living, which is right, yeah. yeah, we're all guilty of. I think mm -hmm. me, me, worst of them. Not really. There's a couple <laughs> worse people in my church that can remain nameless. <sighs> all right. So, question for you: Would you rather never be able to go out during the day, or never be able to go out during the night? Night. Really? Hmm. Yeah, I like to go places during the day. I like to be home at night. Yeah, that's interesting. Like I meaning agree. well. Once the sun goes down, <laughs> yes, and it's at dusk, you know, the parks close, whatever. I mean, or that for real because, because if you've noticed, like right now, you know, well, it's getting better, but I mean, it can be like five o'clock, you'd have to right. go home, right? So, no basketball games, no, you know, going to events, do anything. So, I would, if I had to pick, I would want to be able to go out at night. 
So you'd have to have church at night? I don't care if anybody's there anyway. <laughs> wow. <laughs> this video is going to play during the announcement time, by the way. This <laughs> Sunday, so. It'll be the shortest tenured lead pastor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we could find another one that's shorter. <laughs> is that Aaron, buy- no, no. Shorter tenure? Yeah. What about you, Aaron? Where are you at? As you take it. I'd want to go out during the day. Yeah. Just be home at night. Yeah. Because, I mean, you could do some stuff out at night, but I feel like there's far more things you could do out during the day. Yeah. Unless you have an indoor facility with a gym. You can't really play in the dark. Yeah. Like, I don't know. So. I mean, he didn't say there was no lights, by the way. <laughs> you just can't go out. I so can't, there's. You can't, there's can't go find the light. Right. Oh, well. Would you rather have stretchable legs or stretchable arms? <laughs> what difference does it make? Stretchable arms make way more practical sense. You never seen Space Jam? <laughs> True. True. But Space you, Jam. He dunked it, didn't he? But if you could stretch your legs up and then just. <laughs> you don't need a stretch. <laughs> anyway, I don't like your questions, Joe. I'll find another one then. Okay, if you had to go without one of your senses, which one would it be? Quarters. <laughs> I think you would say pennies before quarters. <laughs> but like yeah, of your senses that you have, <laughs> apparently none. Uh, uh, which one of your senses would you would it be, and and why would you go without it? That's a little different. So what are they? Smell, touch, taste, taste, and hear. Hear, see. Smell, touch, taste. Um, I I would probably go like smell. You can still taste things, right? No, I don't think so. In fact, you can, but they're diminished. But if if, right, but if if they're two separate, yeah, yeah, it it affects it, but you still could taste it. It would affect it. So yeah, but like he said, then you wouldn't have to smell. Bad things, we'll but then you wouldn't know if you smelled. I don't care I if I smell. Well. <laughs> You're giving me way too much credit. <laughs> yeah, that's true. True. Um, man, definitely wouldn't want to lose sight or the ability to hear. What? I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I think I'd go with smell. Smell. Yeah. What's the question? Again? It's like the most. Uh, like you're not losing out completely. Yeah. But like. So if you had to go without one of your five senses, Nate, that's where that's the question. Smell, touch, taste, see. Yeah, probably smell. Smell? He's like, uh, I've already been through that with COVID, so. Yeah, I I don't like it. So when you couldn't, like, was it you couldn't smell things at all? Yeah. Could you then taste anything? Uh, well, I, I really think that the lack of smell made everything just taste like nothing. Yeah, see? Or taste different. I don't really think you lost your taste. I think you lost your smell, which in right. turn destroyed your taste. Because uh, gotcha. you can still taste. It just doesn't taste the same. Yeah, that's like, what my Things sense. just taste weird. But that's what I'm going with. Huh. It's my story. I'm sticking to it. Yeah, that's probably the best one. If you're well, going to lose one. 
That whole thing's proven, though. That's why they tell you to plug your nose. Like, when you don't want to eat something that has a strong taste, it mm-hmm. diminishes the taste. So Brussels sprouts. Plug your nose. Uh, I love Brussels sprouts. I know. Actually, my wife has a really good recipe for Brussels sprouts. But I, I wouldn't be able to taste. Huh? If I plug my nose, I can't taste anything. Oh, you can taste a Brussels sprout. <laughs> like, you get mm-hmm. something. There's Yeah, there's an aftertaste. Uh, and once you let yeah. go of your nose... Okay, doctor. I eat like I'm a just whole saying. Bag of, bag of what? Brussels sprouts. Are those I like love. little cabbages? Yeah, they're yeah. so good. I pass. I hope your wife lost her sense of smell. <laughs> <laughs> but Later no, on that just... night is what he's saying. We yeah. we had we made Brussels sprouts for like a New Year's party at my parents, and we took them there, and they're deli- they were delicious. They're like roasted with like bacon and different stuff in them. You know, real healthy, and we took them there. We ate them. Everyone said, oh, they're so good. And then, like, put a lid on it, put it in the van. And by the time we got from, like, my parents' house home, 15 minutes, it was like, what stinks in this van? <laughs> it was the Brussels sprouts, like the container. Right. We had to just throw them straight away. We're like, okay, they're yeah. done. They had their moment. Like, they were good. Now throw them in the garbage outside. Ugh. I like how you blame that on the Brussels sprouts. And It was the Brussels yeah, sprouts. Right. <laughs> it was the chair that made the noise. It wasn't me. Stop. <laughs> If it were me, you'd be dead. <laughs> All right. Yeah, anyway. yeah. So we got a topic today. Nate's going to lead us through it because he's excited to do that. You can see it on his face now that you can see him. I'm thrilled. See? Uh, yes. We're talking about 12 signs that you're a modern-day Pharisee from churchleaders.com. Yeah. Um, so getting into this, uh, I think we've all like looked at it. But uh, I will I will give a caveat that a lot of these things, um, one, it's, I think it's really hard to put into words, specifically large, complicated issues that, that people have as a whole. It's really hard to pare those down into words. So you have to take each one of these with a little bit of a grain of salt, understanding that uh, they're trying to boil this down into very concise statements. So don't pick apart the statement. Uh, yeah. Like people do that often. Uh, so keep that Except in mind. for us. Yeah, telling us don't pick apart the statement. We would never do that. Uh, us or, or Tammy. So the Tammy. first one is really that you believe that showing up every single Sunday somehow makes you right with God. Or, you know, I'll even caveat that, that a lot of people, and you'll never say this, but subconsciously you, you may think or behave this way that somehow you think that makes you better mm. than somebody else. So yeah. not saying that it's not important, but putting maybe too much emphasis on this one and all be all. Well, and that goes back to even Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Saturday morning, you know, all those things. And you get, we like old school would gauge un unwarrantedly. <laughs> that's a good word. Gauge people's spiritual uh, health by how many times they were, like, oh, they haven't been here last three Sunday nights in a row. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. That's not true. <laughs> no, it's not true. That's how we do it at my church. So yeah, well. That's how Aaron runs the student ministry for sure. Yeah. And so you mean attendance doesn't, you know, you know, include sanctification? That's not, it does. not right. That's, not, it's part of the whole process, yeah. Wow. I think it's it, time we leave this podcast, Aaron. <laughs> These guys are heretics. <laughs> Yeah. And I don't no. think this is this is not saying too, this is not saying that this isn't a healthy metric for you to look at 
in a in, in a whole picture it's somebody's right. life but i think when we put this this unhealthy unbiblical emphasis on some random day in time um mm -hmm. i think then it, it becomes a real problem um because yeah. i think the issue that kind of compounds in this that i that i think we don't think about is that since you place so much emphasis on this one thing you miss where the emphasis should be placed in your you're placing your stake of spiritual growth in something that's that's really not meant for it so then you think you're good but you're really not growing spiritually you're over here yeah you're, you're doing something else thinking it's 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 doing well i'm, I'm struggling with words right now uh, <laughs> Which then causes us to look down on other people that don't do those things. And yeah. that's where the Pharisee part comes in of like, I'm so much more religious, so much more, more better than they are. More better. I mean, there's like, I think what you're getting at, Nate, is there is something to it, though. Um, Correct. More, more especially like if someone's like, hey, they've been coming to your church every week and a Bible study every week for five years. And then all of a sudden they're like, they're there one week, gone two or three, they're back for two, they're gone for one. And like you just notice this change. It's not the attendance that's making them holy or, or lack holiness, but there's something, there's a disconnect going on or something has happened. You know, they're giving it some attention isn't wrong. And I am bringing that up with people when I sit with them. I'll, you know, you start with saying like, you know, look, we know that coming to church does not make you you know, more holy just by walking in the building on a regular basis. But we've noticed there's something's off. Something's changed. What's going on? Mm -hmm. um, you know, very wise people have, uh, you know, noted over the years in different poetic ways. But like when something changes, something changed. And that means something's wrong. You know, and people will be like, no, no, no. I know. I, I know we've never missed a Sunday in seven years or we always used to do this care group at our house or we always used to participate in this, you know, way. And now that's totally changed, but I promise, you know, I'm yeah. fine. It's just, you know, we're just busy. You're like, eh. you've probably been busy your whole life, but you were coming to church every Sunday. So now what's going on? So right. I think that is a, like everything there's, there's two sides to that. And, um, yeah. and, and maybe it is that they're, you know, it can even be a healthy thing where they're like, you know, we're going to this other whatever and we're getting involved there. And sometimes we have to talk to people and say, maybe that's where the Lord has you going now. Yeah. You know, um, but anyway, but yeah, just going to church doesn't make you more holy. Just like, you know, any of those other things <laughs> hanging out in the hospital doesn't make you a doctor, you know, but all the fill, fill in the blank. <laughs> yeah. Joe, you cannot operate on people. I don't care how often you've been there. Um, moving on, the, the second I'm not, done with, I'm not done with the topic yet. So, also, what <laughs> I was thinking was um, you spend more time talking about what you are against than what you are for. Yeah. And I think I'll rephrase this in in some ways and say that maybe you are known. Yeah. by what you are against and not what what you're for. And they put a, a great line in here that Pharisees believe their job is to to defend God <laughs> and to legislate morality. Are you having and flashbacks? That is a great, <laughs> nice sentence to, to define this by. Um, am I frozen, by the way? You're not frozen. Uh, I'm frozen yeah. on my own screen. Yeah, you're good. You sound good. Oh, <laughs> you sound great, man. You sound wonderful. 
I think some in some way, in some regards, we many of us, well, maybe three quarters of us came out of that kind of background. No, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I probably did, I but know. I wasn't paying attention when I was a kid. So. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it was legalistic when I was a kid, but I wasn't really tuned in, so yeah. can't say for sure. So let's go three out of four, which is seventy five percent. That ain't bad. What Joe said, roughly, <laughs> almost, almost. I think it's two thirds, but go ahead. Wow. Yeah. Nate, I thought you still wanted more to say about this. I don't know. I did, I'm the one going through the article to see what you guys Ah, uh, look at that. <laughs> I got the cop out here. Well, uh, some of these are bringing up, I'm sure, great memories, too. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Fantastic memories. Well, because they Wait, do for me. They, Go ahead. Here's the crazy part, though, is when, when you're there, when you are, mm. let's say, you are a stereotypical Pharisee in, in modern day context, and, and that's where you are, you don't know it. Oftentimes, yeah. you don't even realize. And I think if you were to look at the Pharisees in the biblical context at arguments with Jesus, I think they would think they were they were totally right and they were in the right and they were doing good, even arguing with Jesus about, about stuff. Sure. Uh, because they don't they don't realize where they are because until you step outside of your own paradigm and where you are, you don't you don't even really realize what your own state of mind. And I think more often than not that that will be the people like this and the people that struggle with this one specifically. Uh, you don't realize that you're known for what you're against rather than what you're for. You don't realize that you're trying to legislate morality until you take a large step outside of that and outside of the way that you think and then look back at it and then you're like, wow, that mm. was messed up. Yeah. Uh, you don't realize it. So... I, yeah. I think as, as even as we look at, at people that are, that are sitting in this spot, you have to look at it with a with a sense of grace too, and understanding they probably don't even realize what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, now, I'm not saying that's all. I'm by all means not saying mm-hmm. that, uh, but I think there's a large percentage that have not a clue, um, and out of ignorance, they operate the the way that they do, mm-hmm. uh, which is which is really really sad and really unfortunate that somebody misguided their life to that level. But that's what I'll say. Since none of you guys were going to say anything. No, I think, I think what's uh, interesting about the second paragraph there, the way he's talking about all the things that they're against, it says, and all these things come before the gospel. Mm. And maybe they are the gospel. Because <laughs> yeah. um, that's also common is all of a sudden, Jesus is important, yes, but I need to fix you in this regard, or, or mm. you need to do this, and then there's this. Which becomes, you know, we can't be a part of these things because they're bad. And, and it, it becomes behavior modification to the point of mm-hmm. now you look acceptable for Jesus. Let's get you in church regularly. And then we can, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a process that's a little out of whack. <clears throat> um, but I think it's unique. And I think I can, you know, be a witness to say that that oftentimes becomes the most important thing, like the gospel should be. Um, but convincing somebody how something they're doing is wrong is a big thing for that. Yeah. And they'll go to a lot of lengths to share exactly why that person's wrong and why they need to turn from that. And, uh, all the while they don't know Jesus. Mm. So they're trying to fix somebody who doesn't know. <laughs> right. Him. Yeah. So. That phrase, that repeatable phrase I was thinking with Nate, when you were talking that it's not about a behavior modification, it's about heart transformation. And that's what we want to lead people to. And there's often a lack of grace 
that you, yeah, you don't look like you're supposed to. Like they expect you to kind of fit this mold and to look a certain way, but you're, you could be so far away from the Lord, but as long as you play the role, right, then you're good. And uh, hopefully in both of our churches that we, we push through that. We want people to be real. We want people to, mm-hmm. to struggle and it's okay. And there is grace and there is forgiveness and there is uh, the, the space for repentance and all those kind of things that, uh, yeah. 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 Um, well, oh, Mike, I was just going to say more often than not, those people were not, they live uh, in grace themselves. And so they judge others. Um, harshly because they judge themselves harshly and and yet i mean in a sense you know they're more happy to talk about the people outside of them you know that what what someone else is doing wrong or what the church is doing wrong but in reality it's because they haven't truly experienced or they're not walking in maybe i should say god's grace understanding his love and his forgiveness for them and therefore it makes it easier to express that to other people but so if we as leaders can see those people as frustrating, I mean, these are these are the people that frustrate me beyond all belief. Like this is because they're the ones that I mean, for being honest, they're the ones that will come to you and say, well, the church needs to do this. Yeah, and we need to preach about this and we need more. You know, I had a person one time tell me we need more meat in the sermons, you know, and, and, I'm, <laughs> at their life and I'm like, you need to learn how to just stop talking about people. Do you need a depth? You know, do you need the original Greek language of that verse for me to help (laughs) you understand to just close your mouth and be kind? But I mean, like, so you're dealing with that normally. But as I've tried to grow as a leader, I look at them and I go, okay, they're that way for a multitude of reasons. We have many people in our church that came out of a church that my own wife grew up in that was very strict and legalistic. And I've said before, it was a cult, if you ask Mm. me. Um, and I think if you ask anybody, by definition, if we were going into that, that's what it was. And so there that you still see some of these adults that spent more of their life. My wife was only 18 when she left. And so therefore, really probably still in her form, you know, forming her own view of relationship with God and, and things of that nature. The ones that made it into their 30s or 40s there uh, before they left, you can see that they just still have a really hard time allowing the grace of God to rule in their life that they just can't let themselves off the hook and they can't let other people off the hook because if they let somebody get away, quote unquote, with something, then they're allowing it and it's a slippery slope for them. And it's all in fear. It's fear that they're going to lose that love and forgiveness and grace and mercy of God. And that's a, that's a scary thing um, for them. So as a leader trying to get into that mindset where you're like, okay, we need to, we need to show them that this is wrong. But how do we do it in such a way that they can actually hear it? And because what do they normally hear? You're being a wishy-washy pastor, you know, you're watering <laughs> down the gospel. You're not holding right. to these core things. So you got to do it. It's a tough, it, that's a tough one, but a lack of grace in their own life is usually at the center, I think for me. And this kind of ties into Nate, uh, number seven, and then uh, number nine, I think all kind of things that we're talking about that kind of, like you kind of group them all together. Yeah. Um, your, your, your salvation is based on your works, not on Jesus. And you believe outsiders should conform to a certain lifestyle before they're accepted as Christians. I mean, those mm-hmm. kind of all intertwine with that same kind of thing that we're yeah. talking about. And, and I think much of that 
almost stems out of a misguided view of God and, and God's grace and how God operates and how God loves you. And yeah. I think much of that stems out of, of how they view God and how they view the, that fear of God and their relationship with God almost being dependent upon them and what they do versus um, Jesus and what Jesus did. Like it all, yeah. like you're saying, it's all kind of tied together. Um, I feel like number four really fits in with this too. We're going to go back to three because I think three is important. Four <laughs> is uh, that you don't repent of sin or you don't have any quote unquote serious sins to repent of. Uh, this really, I think, stems out of um, what we're saying in all of this is there's a lack of, of vulnerability and humility yeah. and admitting that, you're, admitting that you're wrong. And I think that stems out of uh, your view of God, one, and his grace and his love and then being dependent on Jesus mm -hmm. and not upon you. So you don't want to admit that you have faults or mistakes and you get really good at playing the game, but you get really good at playing the game because oftentimes in systems like this, your relationships within that community are built and are dependent upon you maintaining this facade and maintaining yeah. this this part of like being perfect because those same people will then judge you if you're then maybe the next one that messes up. It's it's very similar. Like my parents, uh, they've had chickens for a long time. But mm -hmm. if you've ever seen chickens, oftentimes, especially when they're younger, uh, if there is one that is injured, a lot of times they will peck that one to death. Mm -hmm. I almost feel like that's what happens. They're all kind of afraid of being that next one in that yeah. in that community that yeah. I'm going to be the next one that's pecked to death or I'm going to be the next one that that's going to lose relationships because I'm admitting that I messed up. And then in turn, they have that same view of God. And I think that's why all of these are really tied together. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, because you like number four that you're saying there, you don't repent of sin because you don't have any serious quote unquote sin to to repent of, is that you don't see sin as it really is, and you you fit into this man made structure that I'm not really doing anything horrible, but yet I think at the same time we are doing things that are horrible, but we we they're either acceptable or they're secret enough that you know I'm I'm watching porn, but no one else really knows about it, so like I'm okay, but I'll speak against it in the pulpit or I'll you know I'll say these things that are against it. Uh, but really, my lifestyle doesn't match up. I think Jesus says that your, you know, your hearts are far from me. You, you may honor me with your words, uh, but man, your your hearts are far from me. Yeah, it's in, <clears throat> they have two words in here that I think go hand in hand with that: vulnerability and weakness. Hmm. People, general, in general, people don't like to show weakness because we're supposed to have it all together. Sure. But if you combine that with your relationship with God, I think it's also like they're quick to call out things, but then to have no problem themselves yeah. so that's a that's a hard hard uh hard line to walk if you are in a relationship with your lord and savior but you think you're good you know because we're all none, none of us have arrived you know yeah. so i think it's a interesting way of being uh open and honest with yourself even just to say okay i i have this issue i have this issue not that you go and parade it but there but there's a personal relationship you have with the lord and if you're not having that yeah. What are you doing with the Lord? You know, there's there's an importance to accepting grace, but also, you know, I said this a little while ago, I said there's an importance to accepting of grace, but not ignoring the sin going on. Because mm -hmm. otherwise we're no different than, you know, our kid messed up. You know, if, if you're parenting your child, uh, but you say, oh, it's okay, grace, grace, I'm going to forgive you because grace abounds, but you have no consequences, no 
you know, plan to do something different and they're just going to keep doing it and keep doing it. But okay, okay, grace, grace, grace. Well, eventually to form some sort of knowledge or, you know, for a child, I'm not a dad yet. So obviously I don't know this perfectly, but to form something to convince your child that this is not okay, Mm -hmm. there has to be some sort of like, okay, I know I was wrong. I'm sorry. And it's the same way with our relationship with God. You need to come to a point where like, okay, I was wrong. This is wrong that I'm doing this and I'm repenting of it. And then you can grow. You but then the, when you receive the grace, obviously you accept that love and that forgiveness. But it's also in the Bible. You shouldn't be abusing the grace of God either. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so there's a there's a balance to it. But you can't just go on and be like, I'm good. You're good. We're all good. You know. Yeah. Uh, so, it, but it's a. Oh, I was just gonna say to your point, like there's a big difference between um, punishment and correction for the good of the person. That a lot of times, anytime we mess up, anything that God does does is never what we des- truly deserve, the the quote unquote punishment that we truly deserve. Right. But anything that God does for His children is is really for their benefit. Any kind of quote unquote correction that happens in that God is doing like a father for the benefit of His child, and and I think sometimes we mix those two things up. We think, oh, it's a punishment. It's not a punishment. God is doing what he deems is going to be best for you as one of his children to grow you and to love you and all these different things. But yeah, to, to what you were saying, sorry, I'm going to cut you off, but you're done. No, it's fine. It's fine. I think, I think, I think that it's always important to, as you're leading people to show that you're also vulnerable and you're not perfect. And I think it's the, that's part of, you know, if you talk about being a Pharisee, you're perfect but you can tell everybody else why they're wrong. But I think it's, I think it's important, especially as we lead people that we're not expecting them to be perfect. And we don't think we're perfect. And you know I mean? That's like the, a, you want to be careful. You're not being a Pharisee as this article says. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. My own camera keeps pausing and then I get frozen on my side with a funny face. <laughs> it's just weird to look at. So uh, I keep uh, like resetting it. Um, I want to go back to three because I think three is something that uh, people people will never really say, but they will live their lives and they will talk as if this is true, which is you believe God actually needs you. Uh, that, you know, oftentimes we think that we are the ones that are building the church. We are the ones that are doing it all. And we are the ones that, that God needs uh, when none of that is true, that Jesus said that he will build the church and he will build his kingdom. And he chooses to to use us as he sees fit in that process. Um, but oftentimes Pharisees will think that that they are somehow required by God and that that makes them special and that God needs them. Um, yeah. yeah. We just think of, of that. So that one phrase of God needs a human being for his church to survive. He's not a God worth serving. Yeah. And yet there's this balance of us playing our role and, 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 and working by his power to do the things he's called us to do. But yeah, to think, I, mean, I say it often at church that I don't want to make it about me and there will be somebody someday, assuming the church continues on this local mm-hmm. church that will be in, in that position. It's like, we got to get over ourselves. Not only, uh, with the Lord, but also with our church that 
uh, we should be raising up leaders and investing in people in such a way that that we, if we were to walk away tomorrow, that the church would go on. And that's not the case necessarily in, in many churches. I know in our church, it would be a struggle at that this point, you know, that there, there are a lot of people that are, uh, that have grown exponentially over the last number of years, three years, four years, that I think our church wouldn't cease to exist. I mean, it would be, a, there would be a hole there, I would hope. <laughs> but uh, my job was, is that, that I could leave uh, for whatever reason and it would be okay. And, you know, I've just experienced that in student ministry. Uh, and I'm sure you guys have too, that you're leaving and you're just praying that you've left that ministry better than you found it. You've not made it so dependent upon you that, yeah, it's going to be like, that. that's not great, but we can move on and, and we can still be healthy because there are healthy systems in place, healthy people in place. Uh, and so that would be, uh, I guess, it's kind of on topic, but, you know, as leaders, I think sometimes we feel like we're the end all to our ministry and, and it's really not our ministry anyway. I like yeah, the I... statement that we just need to, a... oh, go ahead. <laughs> oh, yeah. I like when he said we need to know our role and play our part. I think of mm. instantly the in the NBA, <laughs> they sometimes call point guards point god, oh. and uh, I I instantly think basketball court. We we just got to know we're role players and whatever God asks us to do. If if He draws something us up for us on the court, you will do it. Uh, but again, it's not it's not about us. It's not yeah. us orchestrating. It's actually Him doing it and leading us. And uh, when God's at work, He's working. And we're just joining. We're joining in on it as he asked us to. I like I like that uh, phrase there. I guess. Um, I was going to say I think to what you're saying, Joe. We obviously we just went through a transition at our church. You know, with me taking a lead role, and um, I think you can say and I, you know have the knowledge that you want to operate a certain way. I think that's a healthy first step. I think that's what's scary when you see people who won't even acknowledge that they're trying, you know, and I'm not talking about people on the podcast, but you know, Joe, I'm thinking way back in the day, there were other people like they don't, they come in and they let you know right away. It's about their, yes, it's about me and what I'm going to do and I'm going to build this thing. And you're like, Ooh, that's pretty scary. If they can't even at least acknowledge uh, and I and then there's people like me who thought, you know, I couldn't leave when I was at a church with Joe as just a volunteer. I definitely had a higher view of myself than I need. Like, <laughs> well, you need me here to help lead your youth group. You know, what are you going to do without a great leader? You know, volunteer student leader like me, your ministry right. will crumble. We and closed Joe up did. shop. As soon as you left, we closed <laughs> up. I mean, quite frankly, you didn't stay too long after I left. <laughs> <laughs> <That's the point. laughs> That wasn't related uh, at all. But no, yeah, no. Uh, but but Joe lovingly told me at a Taco Bell in Kent, like, uh, do you think God can't do what He has to do mm. here if you leave? Yeah. And I remember thinking, like, okay, that was the straw that broke the camel's. You're right. Like, <laughs> I, yeah, you. you're right. One night, I'm definitely have an improper view of the role that I play. However, yeah. especially if we're gonna make this as as we say, if we look back to leaders, I'm gonna tell you especially you two on my right of my screen, you younger guys, it's a lot harder than you think. Mm. <laughs> it's a lot harder than you, unless, unless you have something to leaving some building something in such a way oh, that you can just yeah. walk away and go, it's good. Yeah. And like, that's yeah. where our student ministry is in our church. It's good. 
it's doing great. It doesn't need Mike Major to be there at all. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a little more. It's hard to operate that way. So you have to like put those safeguards in. And I'm trying to learn that as like a lead pastor now to say, okay, I did an okay job. I mean, let's put it this way. I was willing to say like, Hey, this guy wants to come here. I know he wants to be a, he wants to be a pastor. Let's bring him here. Let's, let's mentor him. Let's get him involved and let's prepare for that. And it still was a pain in the butt when you're like, but really God, I mean, you need me, you know? Uh, And so I think when we talk about ourselves as leaders, you know, we've got to model it first. And um, when it comes to leading a church, even like Joe, you're saying like, I'm taking this role right now. and like, Man, I'm doing all these things. And what if I didn't do these things? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and in our church, it's really weird. Cause like no one's been doing a lot of the things I'm doing for the past 15 years. Cause we were just, everyone was leading every which way. Yeah. And I'm like, so I have an example of, well, it worked. It maybe wasn't ideal, but it'll work. If I die right today, like, you know, the church, hopefully, It will exist without you, me, or any one of us. So, uh, but we need to take strides in the air in that area to raise up leaders and people that you know the pulpit could be filled. You know, on a twelve-hour notice, someone says, "Oh, you can't be there because something happened." Okay, I'll fill in tomorrow and speak to the people. You know, in worship teams need to be the same way: diversity, depth, so they could just take over and lead because that's what we have to be about. And so. We have a we have a responsibility. That's I'm seeing that so much more clearly at this phase of my life. Like the job is to raise up leaders. Yeah. Like I've said it before, but now I'm like, oh no. And when you, what helps <laughs> what helps is when you get a really good one and you're like, oh, this works so much better. Yeah. When I have all these people and they just have their things and they and they can own their areas. So uh, but then you gotta teach those leaders that they need to be looking do the same for people yeah. in their group to do the same thing. I'm like yeah, that's that's it. If you could just get that, your church, <laughs> your church would be great. You just get a couple hundred people all owning it. That'd be wonderful. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, but we know it's God, not us. Yeah. Yeah, I've speaking speaking. I've spoken <laughs> with uh, like it's 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 not so much a Pharisee thing, but just this attitude. And I I've often told my younger son playing basketball that there's a fine line between being confident and being cocky and there's yeah. times that i've talked to pastors that like basically like, we've got this thing figured out we ha- we have healthy churches we've got the magic formula and i'm like yeah mm, I, I get it i on one level on one level i get it but if it's devoid of the lord is doing this and he has taught us and, and maybe it was a semantics thing but man yeah in the conversation, you can, you can tell if somebody's yeah. speaking and they say something, and you're like, they don't, they didn't mean it like that. But yeah, I mean, but it's I've a fine to... line both ways, though. Oh sure. A, meaning like, you can say all those things the other way, right. but really believe that it's because of you. <laughs> like, oh, right. it's the Lord. No, <laughs> yeah, it's really me. It's just, I mean, oh, who am I? I'm nothing. Yeah. It's just God. Right. But in your mind, you're like, oh, I'm building a kingdom. I'm a it's pretty, pretty big me. deal. Yeah, it's all about me. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if you know this, but I'm a pretty big deal. <laughs> yeah, no, and that's a constant battle as pastors of yeah. fighting that, especially I think it's maybe on both sides when there's great victories of fighting against the pride, but even on the on the say the valleys and the struggles of fighting against like just being like I who am like to the point of not trusting the Lord on either side. I guess is what I'm right. trying to get at. Mm-hmm. So you're saying there's a balance. <laughs> there's somewhere in there. 
I think, uh, I think along those lines, oh, no, I, I was moving us along. So go ahead. <laughs> I think along those lines, what's, what I think is hard for leaders, I think what gets you caught up on that type of stuff is if you think about it, your task to, you know, plan or organize something. And if it goes well, it went well, and that's good. And if it goes bad, in your mind, you're thinking people are looking, oh, that didn't go so well. Oh, you know, that's, right. you know, so-and-so probably should have done a better job. Or if it went well, they're saying, oh, so-and-so did a good job. So it's interesting is how we, you know, lead people. That's always going to be somebody's, whoever's in charge of whatever happened, right. even if it was a high school, you know, assembly. If it went well, they're going to the person that organized it. And they're like, man, that was an amazing job. So good, sure. you know. So it's interesting, you know, in that same setting, it's, and you can't, it, you're dealing with people. So people are going to look, because certain people, I mean, I remember growing up, people called my dad pastor. Mm-hmm. They didn't call him Peter. They didn't call him Mr. Marshall. They called him pastor. And that's okay. <laughs> but um, in that same setting, you have, and it should be uh, some sort of reverence, I guess, but, but it's almost put somebody in a position to be like, well, it's because of them. So then the person that is that person, it could be like, oh, I did such a good job or like, oh, that was next time I got to do that, you know, but really it's a, ba- it, it, it is a balance like you're saying, and it, and it goes to, okay, Lord, where are you asking me to do and being obedient to that. And if it's a great event, great. They'll, you know, awesome. If it's not, that's okay. Because I feel I'm, I'm confident that I was following the Lord's direction and, you know, every, not every event is going to be a, great one or not every sermon or not every lesson or not every worship you know wait so there's a yeah and so you know it's it's a it's a daily walking by the spirit i think but it's also being okay with something didn't go as well as we thought it might we'll do our best to do it better next time but you know on the highs and lows it doesn't rest on our shoulders we're trying to be obedient to what god's calling us to do right I was going to say, sometimes people will praise you for events that really you know are miserable, but they'll see it appears <laughs> it was good because they don't know what the desired outcome was. Like, what's the goal? And if it's, right. you know, like you said, if, if you're like, I feel like God just really wants us to do this thing, and they go, yeah, mm-hmm. six kids showed up. What's your problem? Like, well, <laughs> are those six kids, you know, they, they wanted to be there, and it was a good night, and we'll do something else next yeah. time, and, you know. I think that that's one of the hard things is people will always give you their opinion and they have no under maybe they don't they lack I shouldn't say no they lack understanding of like well what was the point because mm-hmm. they'll see you do a, a student event and they'll be like well they'll, you know they're sixty five years old and they're like well when we used to do you know I'm like yeah when you did that it was the seventies it's a little bit different right now <laughs> right so right you know what that was bus ministry the, yeah that bus ministry <laughs> yeah although okay. that's still today sorry so. Nate. Sorry. Didn't mean to laugh so hard at bus ministry. Hot button. Yeah. I'm not going to talk about it because we don't have that much time. No, we don't. I saw him start to twitch, though. He started yeah. twitching when um, he said bus ministry. So number eight. Oh. <laughs> number eight. I like number eight. Is this um, our last one for today, you think? Probably. Uh, is this? I was going to say, is there one last no. one that you really like that we can, because we're at that point of I, I have two. I have two. Oh, two. Okay. All right. I'm going to do two. Uh, number eight, I like because this used to be me. Okay. And it took me a long time to realize this, but you read the Bible to sustain. Substantiate. Your, sub, sorry. Substantiate your convictions. I was going to say that's not the right word. No. Substantiate your convictions 
and not to be shaped into God's mm. image. That oftentimes this happens, mm. especially in this Pharisee-like mindset, that the Bible really just becomes um, an encyclopedia or a dictionary of random verses to support mm. your personal convictions even, um, to better help you convince other people that you're right and they're mm. wrong. Rather than this big, Wait, unified it's... story that leads to Jesus, that it's then not... helps shape and mold you. Um, and when you make this shift as a believer and as somebody that follows Jesus, when you make this shift from this dictionary-like mindset to, no, it's this, it's this wonderful story that God put together to transform my life and the lives of other people, um, that will radically transform how then you see God and how then you see your role as a believer. And like, it changes everything. Mm. Uh, that's why I like number eight. But that's good. I don't have any thoughts mm. before I move to the last one. I typically like to take a concordance and find every <laughs> instance of the word and find the one mm -hmm. instance that supports my view. Or you can regard the rest. You can be like another pastor that we know that, uh, well, we don't know personally, but will find the right verse and then the right translation yes. to make yes. it like, oh, that says exactly how I want it to yes. say as opposed to that nuance, that little <laughs> right. nuance. Right. I know 17 other <laughs> trusted translations don't put that word in there. Yeah. But I like it. It right. fits. Yeah. All right, what's the last one for 17 us? translations in one sermon. Every slide is different. <laughs> right. Why yes. is it like that? Why are we doing that version? Yeah. <laughs> okay, sorry. Yeah, I get it. Last one. Um, the last one, the one that we'll cap off everything with, is that you don't know. They word this really weird, but you don't know the difference between a convert and a transfer. <laughs> mm. Is um, you get more excited or maybe just as, <laughs> as excited about somebody moving from one church to your church mm. uh, than you do about somebody that doesn't know Jesus showing up at your church and then maybe believing the gospel and following Jesus. Um, I will say a, a convert, somebody coming to your church that doesn't know who Jesus is, that requires far more investment, work, planning, intentionality than somebody that moves down the street that used to go to another church and then shows up at your church and just looks the part, plays the part, is the part and just fits. And um, often I, shows up at your church because they're mad at the other church and they're showing yeah, up and they yeah. often talk about how they don't like what they did. And then what eventually happens is they get mad at you about the same thing or something else. And then they leave. Yes. I mean, that's just a scenario, a hypothetical scenario that I've never experienced. That never, that never really happens, but, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, like yeah, the end the end goal the end goal is not necessarily church membership, although we we believe in church membership on some level, but it's not all these things. Even like with the thing we talked about at the beginning about attendance, those are all uh, ways to kind of get a a, a temperature is the only thing I could think of. Just a kind of a like this is how things are going. Um, metrics. Metric is a good word, uh, but barometer. <laughs> I could think of another. Oh, anyway, uh, that we are these these are important things, but they're not the end all, and and we need to remember that. To your point, Nate, what you were saying about it takes a lot more investment and all of those kind of things, and I would add to that because I agree with you 
that it takes a working of the Lord to really change people's hearts. Not necessarily because they didn't like that church or they're coming to yours, but for somebody to come into the kingdom, it's really a work of God and we get to be a part of that. And, uh, and it's, it's messy and it takes time and, and it takes investment and it takes us trusting in God to change people's hearts as well. Not just trying to impress them with our light show or smoke or all that stuff. It is good though. The lights and smoke. Yeah. Guys, Every time I talk about smoke and lights, I think of uh, pure country. So you never seen that movie, then you know. Yes, what I'm I talking about, but, I looked yeah. it up in the oh, right. and I was like, I'm not gonna George Strait, right? George Strait, because he gets to this point, and I've I've gotten to this point in ministry at times where he he sings a song, like he's singing all the songs, and at one point he stopped singing during the song, and and no one even knew that he stopped singing, and he's talking to his friend, and he's like, I'm just I'm tired of being a dancing chicken. He's like, remember that time we went to those carnivals, and they would. Uh, they put this chicken out there and, and what he didn't know is at the same time they were turning the gas on underneath the chicken to make it hot so the chicken would dance, you know, and he's like, I'm just tired of just going through the motions of just playing this game and uh, it's tired of being a dancing chicken. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't, I, this one is resonates with me. I mean, it's tough though because we have people that come to your church and, and there is a role we can play in healing them and, and stopping that cycle. But man, it's it's exhausting when you get someone who you're the fifth or sixth or seventh church of their adult life and they've served in every one of them, you know, and you're like, whoa, what? Oh, I've done this. I've done that. And you're the gang you left and you left and you left. Uh, church hurt is super messy, difficult stuff to deal with. And it really can only be killed by <laughs> literally like grace and mercy and and being being like radically to not perpetuating the cycle meaning as soon as they hear church is better than the last church you gotta you gotta tell them first time that comes up you gotta be ready and be like hey that's you know that's not a healthy thing like i understand you're hurting and you probably want to talk about where you came from but we're pretty messed up here too like we make a lot of mistakes here and we're going you know if the standard is perfection we will disappoint you in your next church. I mean, literally, you've got to be ready to have a conversation like that and say, but if you're really looking for healing, you want to grow and you want to be discipled, then this is a good place for you. And we've had to do that. And then we have people that say yes to all that. And then, you know, like Joe said, you know, a year, two, three, however long they can make it until something is the streaks their back and they're gone. Um, those are tough people, but parts uh i don't want church transfers <laughs> i want people mm. transferred from you know the dominion of darkness yeah. to the light i want to see yes. salvation you know like that's what i that's what our church like i i'm happy when i see people come in but when i'm like oh you're uh, there's you know Chinari area. <laughs> i mean you're another transplant okay that's great you know we're glad you're here but man what are we doing <laughs> that we where we're reaching to people who just don't even know that there's any hope and there's any right. way and there's any relation found in Jesus. And that, you know, that's fun. That's, that's, it's life giving to your church. It will, it'll mm -hmm. change, you know, it changes everything when you're baptizing new believers and like, it's kind of like, Oh, it's weird. We're doing what the new Testament talk. About. <laughs> there's a vibrance to the ministry. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I, the, the the point of this is not that either of those things are bad, but the point of this is not understanding the difference right. and seeing the transfers yeah. as on the same 
plain as people that are actually coming to Christ and knowing right. that we we're not we're not inter- we're not so much interested. <laughs> those words aren't coming out. <laughs> interested <clears throat> in building our empire as we are in building the kingdom. If people come, yes. great. If they want to be a part and they have the same vision and they're going the same direction, great. Uh, but don't come because you you know you want to cause trouble or whatever. But I've learned when people say certain things about their past church, that says a lot more about them and what we're in for than what it says about their past church. Yep. Yep. I was going to bring up Greg Locke, by the way. I can hear me echoing too, and somewhere I don't know where the echoing is, but it's it's okay now. You, did you did you hear the clip? I don't. I didn't play it. I mean, I don't have it. But man, uh, I didn't. I have avoided no. all of them. Oh my I, goodness! I, trust me. I he. I'm gonna say it. He uh, and then we can be we can be done. But he said okay. uh, he was in the middle of, uh, and we lost Nate. Maybe he's in the middle of a message. And I. This is my recollection of what I. <laughs> if you see the video, you'll see. He fell asleep. <laughs> Actually, his bars went red, and yeah, yeah. We should all try it. Aaron did it. What the? Well, so he was in the middle of a sermon, and he was talking about, and I probably misquoting it a little bit, but I think I got this. Is basically he was saying uh, that if your kid has autism, it's because of their demon. They have a demon, <laughs> and it was like, oh boy, you're in trouble. It, but hits just keep coming with that guy. Should yeah, should we expect anything less than no. than that? So, and I, sometimes I think he says those things just to get us to. He's like, people, haven't about talking, people haven't been talking about yep. you for a while. What crazy yep. thing can I say today? That's right. And so that sound means that uh, we are coming to the end of episode uh, is it 16. I don't even know anymore. 16. So it's, it's episode 16. It's, it's almost like Greg doesn't realize it's not about him. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Come on now. What? <laughs> Stop. All right. Well, uh, hopefully we, we yeah, hopefully we limp through this good enough. I feel like if we do this again, we all need our our mics that we use for the podcast because your sounds good on my end. So we just need to do that. Mm. Who knows? Maybe. Yeah, yours. The one I'm looking I'm at. You can't tell I'm a professional. What do you expect? Yeah, I'm using my son's game streaming mic. Yeah, so. he's gonna have a fit when I he knows I adjusted yeah, it right. anyway. He's gonna smell the. This dad spits. Why does it taste like coffee or smell like coffee? <laughs> Celery. He's not eating the microphone. <laughs> All right. I guess that means it's time for me to shut up. It's time to be done. But thank you guys for joining us. We'd love to hear your uh, thoughts on being a Pharisee and maybe a how-to guide or something. But uh, looking forward to that how-to. conversation. Email us at me at desperatepastor.com. Hey, Nate's reckoning. Like, let's just get him in real quick. Hey, Nate. Hey. We're leaving. Back. We're leaving. But uh, we thought we'd let you say bye. Play the clip. I didn't play the clip. I didn't have the clip. Did you hear what I said, though? I don't think so. Yeah, you fell asleep because you're you're the picture on here. Anyway, uh, that basically he said that if your kid has autism, that he basically is demon possessed, has a demon. So it's not something. You make something great, Lockerton. That that's what he said. Sounds like some good church shirts on the way. (laughs) I agree. I agree. All right. Well, we will uh, talk to you uh, soon. See ya. See ya.